0: this is an ami podcast
1: I'm Kelly McDonald
2: I'm Ramiya Amadin and this is Kelly and Ramia.
1: it never feels like it ladies and gentlemen that you're you know, you're spending time with us you're not doing time it never feels like that it's always a good time here on the program welcome back to kelly and rumya appreciate you spending whatever time you can with us and consuming the show in any way we have a lot of fun as we get into the second hour here on the program and uh rumya lots of of great content today all week we'll tee up some things that we're doing tomorrow on the program it just keeps coming everyone's way
2: everyone's way and we have new people that we're meeting throughout the week as well we have regular uh you know guests who join us on the show or regular contributors but sometimes we meet somebody new to even add to that roster our community reporters who join us um help me get this right Kels. mondays tuesdays wednesdays on the show
1: Okay. I don't know. know. Aren't we doing it on Thursdays?
2: There's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Anyways, no idea. Um, (laughs) They joined us a couple (laughs) times on the show. We've changed our schedule up a little bit, so I'm trying to remember well. But either way, we're adding a new community reporter to our roster, and we're meeting her right now. Marisa Hersey-Meisner is joining us from St. John, New Brunswick, and we haven't touched that area here on Kelly and Ramia yet, so we're very excited to know more about the locality and to get to know Marisa. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Kelly and Ramya. How are you today? And to the Kelly and Ramya family, of course. I'm doing well. How are you?
3: Very well. Awesome. Bright sunny day here. It's a bit cold, but that's what you can
2: expect in Canada. Can you, I was going to say, can you define a bit cold?
3: (laughs) Uh, It's probably like (laughs) minus eight,
2: I believe. (laughs) <laughs> oh okay. My see. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's
1: a bit colder than than here. That that's true. Um and I think because we've we've not had a community reporter settle in with us from New Brunswick, it is awesome because we get to learn about all the cool things there and Rumi and I love to hear that stuff.
3: Yes, and Saint John is a beautiful city. It's the oldest incorporated city in Canada, so there's a lot happening, a lot of heritage.
1: Oh, that's amazing! That really is. Um, you want to tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself, a little bit things we should know. Um, you know, things about you. How would you, when someone says, "Tell me a little bit about you"? So I'm going to do that. <clears throat> tell us a little bit about you.
3: <laughs> well, I'm originally from a rural community overlooking the beautiful Tobique uh, uh, River in Northwest New Brunswick. Um, I was diagnosed um, legally blind uh, due to aniridia. Aniridia basically means uh, it's a genetic eye condition, uh, meaning without iris. So I don't have an iris. Um, And I am a member of the largest family in Atlantic Canada with aniridia. And we actually had participated in a research project uh, that helped the researchers uh, with learning about aniridia And uh, in that uh, particular research project, they learned that we are missing the PAC16 gene, and that Mm. it is actually a syndrome and not just an eye condition. It affects all parts of the eye, and um, glaucoma, cataracts, and corneal issues are some of the outlining uh, conditions with the eye. Now, I have encountered many barriers due to my uh, my disability. Uh, including education, uh, due to the lack of information, or and and employment issues, uh, due to transportation. And I live in St. John now with my husband Clayton and my CNAB guide dog Novalee. Actually, I just got Novalee uh, in May of uh, last year, and she has transformed my life Uh, using the white cane um, you know you're running into obstacles and and uh, you know struggling to navigate around uh, the city but with Nova Lee she takes me around all the obstacles and I'm meeting a lot of new people because they're so curious about uh, wanting to know about Nova Lee so um, I am the chairperson of the We Are Passengers consumer uh, group and advocacy group and I chair the St. John Ability Advisory Committee. I'm the vice president of Guide Dogs Users of Canada. I volunteer with CNIB. And wow, do I really have any more time to do the things <laughs> that I really enjoy, like walking, nature hikes, uh, listening to different genres of music and capturing moments on my iPhone? Well, of course. But my, above all, I really love um, spending time with family and friends. And, um, my faith in God is, is what gives me the strength to do all those things. Mm
2: -hmm. And, and the strength to, uh, do all of that, which you're doing a lot is incredible because you're so, it seems as though you're so well connected to the community. Are there, is there something that you would call, um, what you're passionate about, you know, whether that be sports and recreation or as you talked about, the We Are Passengers uh, initiative, like, is there something in all of these wonderful things you mentioned that really makes you feel like this is my place in the community? This is where I love to be.
3: Well, I would say advocating uh, for persons with disabilities and just trying to remove the barriers and 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 educating the public on the different barriers that uh, persons with disabilities face. And you know, and and just meeting and and listening to people's stories of of you know their experience, life experiences. And and that in itself brings joy because then you don't feel alone. You know, you, you feel like I'm part of the community. Yes, there's barriers, but we can overcome. We can, we can make a difference in our society if we um, actively uh, bring awareness to the issues and uh, try to come up with solutions and brainstorm you know, different ideas of how, and collaborate with those that are making the decisions.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure and and you know it's amazing when i sit back and, and listen to you talk about the different areas there's so much i know that we'll unpack in in the months to come with you on the program but really love your openness about your aniridia i love the openness about what empowerment, and I think that's the most tremendous thing, getting your guide dog. Like, it's, it's just wonderful um, when you talk about those things because that's one of the beliefs I have, being able to get out, move around and, and not feel like I'm, I'm afraid or I have to wait for somebody to give me a hand. So let's move on to your next item because something kind of interesting has happened for the blind uh, in St. John. Uh, the, say, the transit has reinstated free transit for the blind.
3: Yes, and this is exciting news for for those of us that have been advocating this for this for years. Um, <clears throat> as, as we know, under the motor vehicle uh, laws, blind persons are per- not permitted uh, to drive a car for obvious reasons, of course. Uh, legally blind individuals have a right to transportation um, and it is the number one cause of barriers to obtaining education, employment, health care services, and meeting daily and social needs. And um, the CNIB's Cornell Baker recognized the need for transportation um, and, and the need for um, us to have accessible transportation. and due to poverty levels within the legally blind community, um, he had approached transit system, systems right across the nation. And um, they, he was able to um, sign contracts or, or with a lot of the transit systems across the country and making transit free um, and, and accessible for the visually impaired or those with vision loss now um back in the early uh, 2000s we we did hear and learn of a couple of uh transit systems that started to express uh the you know the thoughts of uh, discontinuing that in mm-hmm. hamilton I remember that. ontario yeah. and halifax were a couple of those and they were able to uh the advocates there in those communities were able to um basically find substantial information documentation stating that um you know they had contracts and so forth so those municipalities and and transit systems decided to continue with the free fare accommodation and 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 still today right across the nation we have free fare at most transit systems mm-hmm. Now, Kelly, this, this is where the story really gets interesting. Um, without consultation with the CNIB or any stakeholders at a meeting of St. John Transit Commission on February 21st, 2014, it was resolved to discontinue the practice of providing free fare transportation to blind passengers who hold CNIB identification. Um, and this came into effect on July 2nd, 2014. CNIB only learned of this decision by receiving a letter dated uh, or on February 28, 2014. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Transit Board based their decision um, by receiving a half-page memo from the general manager, Frank McCary, at the time. And it essentially advised the board that the practice of providing free bus transportation has been discontinued at most transit systems and is under review at the St. John Transit. The memo also stated that the practice had been discontinued at many transit systems, uh, primarily because they had been challenged by other disability groups.
4: Mm. Yep, now these so are,
3: th- these were all erroneous claims and uh, we had um, actually uh, when we researched it out there was actually no claims uh, we, we couldn't really find a lot of um, challenges uh, from other disability groups to support, that. Groups no, to support no. that and also we couldn't find um, and and CNIB responded uh, with a letter stating that 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 all the list of most transit systems have discontinued was was false. They had given a whole list of transit systems that were still offering the free fare. Um, So
2: it such an interesting development marisa Um, i'm sorry we have to cut you off in the middle of telling us about this because it is very intriguing how uh it it came to be this situation and i'm glad that it's worked itself out at the moment though we're gonna say goodbye to you today but you'll be back with us next month thank you for joining us and welcome okay thank you marisa hersey meisner is our new community reporter from st john new brunswick
1: Boy, that's something for Cut for Time on Friday. We'll have to get more into that. Coming up next on the program, half of Canadians plan to look for a new job this year. Why is that? Our friends at Robert Half, they'll be here in a moment to let us know. Stick around. It's Kelly and Ramya. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Kelly McDonald, the big guy, settled back here in my uh, office chair, right here in the London, Ontario home studio, with behind me the uh, skyline of Toronto, CN Tower, over my left shoulder. Thank you for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Today, wherever you are, Ramya Muthan, my co-host, she's at the studio in Toronto, hanging out at the uh, desk there, columns around her of different colours, and a beautiful set, and also the skyline of Toronto in behind her. Did we ever figure out, Rum, how often we can say Happy New Year to people?
4: Mm,
2: you know, when does that stop? Not how often, but yeah, we were talking about the end date. For me, it's like, if I haven't talked uh, talk to you by Jan 14th or somewhere mid-Jan, probably not going to say Happy New Year after that. But even I, now, I it feels like we're up. stretching it, right?
4: What is well, today, I'm bringing the it up
1: only because, yeah, and I'm bringing it up now because New Year, new times, different things going on, always stuff showing... The Times is a in. Mm -hmm. Recent research from Robert Half, folks, reveals uh, increased job optimism. That's a good thing, right? Among Canadian professionals particularly, despite economic uncertainty, according to the uh, Robert Half biannual job optimism survey of more than 1,100 professionals in this country half of the respondents out there are actually currently looking or plan to look for a new role in the first half of 2023, up from uh, one-third of respondents last spring when it was done. Our good friend returning to the program, Michael French, uh, he's returning. He's with Robert Half. Michael, appreciate you being with us. Happy New Year to you, sir happy new year but
0: i think you're right we probably have till friday and then that's the yeah. end of the happy new years but thanks for having me on
1: congrats on television thank you thank you very much and we appreciate the support you guys always uh, always give us okay so we're all hearing horror stories of inflation and economic slump why do you think canadians are optimistic about the labor market
0: well, this survey really surprised me. We, we, we go out twice a year and ask people, how, um, what are you going to do in your job search? Are you looking? Are you, are you staying where you are? And over half the people this year said they want to look for a new job in the first six months of the year. And that's, we've never seen it that high before. They are so optimistic and so confident in the job market that they want to make a change. And so that, that's astronomical. Hmm. We've never seen numbers like that whenever we've done the survey in the past.
1: You said you were surprised. I have to say, I can't necessarily feel or agree with you because of you guys. When we've talked about people on this program with you before about the changes, about people doing so much over the pandemic time to ready themselves for maybe that switch, trying to take a course or two, it made me feel that, yeah, we're having a shortage of jobs, but I think it's because people are reaching more for the stars than they did before. So I, I, I wasn't surprised... Maybe as much as I would have been if, you had, if, if we hadn't had you on the show in the past. Well, you know, there's been a
0: demand for talent for a number of years. And we're talking now about the professional space. So lawyers, right. accountants, advertising, technology. And we know that space. There's a lot of boomers retiring. Gen Xers moving up. Millennials now been in the seat for a couple of years. Um, there's a lot of great jobs out there especially with Hmm. the exiting of the boomers now. So that whole segment, I don't say they're fully gone, but they're on the very, very tail end here. So that's created a lot of opportunity for people to move up into maybe senior manager roles or some new leadership positions. So there's lots happening, lots of movement. COVID has brought us a lot of changes, and this is probably now the lingering effect of what's happened in the last couple of years.
2: Hmm. Wow. And are these the motivators then for people, younger people, for people prof- stepping into the professional realm, being like, yeah, like I got this. There's uh, so much more opportunity out there. We're talking about flexibility. Everything is changing. So at the cusp of all that, let me uh, enter.
0: Well, let me share with you some some stats and some groups here. So we we dissect the data based on different cohorts and different scenarios. So the number one group of people looking to make a change have been at their company from two to four years. These could be people who who started before COVID or during COVID, been there for a couple of years now, but they're looking for a promotion or a change. If they don't get that, they're going somewhere else. But then wow. the millennials and Gen Z. So you know what? That, that could be that same group. They now have been in this. Workforce for two years, so that that could be the same area, but the one that really shocked me, and I think we talked about flexibility a lot when we've been on the phone on the uh, calls before. Working parents, they came through at 55 percent, so yeah. over half the working parents say, "I want a change," and I, I think that comes down to the flexibility they've enjoyed. They've enjoyed dropping off the kids in the morning or getting them from school and coaching soccer, and they want to continue with that flexibility. So if you want to hang on to your working parents, make sure you're offering them flexibility.
2: Uh, that makes perfect sense to wow. me. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely, not necessarily empathize, but can understand for working parents, because like you said, it's not just been a couple months, and I say this often now, it's not just been a couple months of COVID or just a little while and we're still talking about, oh, when do we go back to the new normal? No, I think that a lot of us have settled into what is the present new normal and so if you're saying i've been working from home for the last two years and i love it so if i have to come back to the office that's just a non-negotiable for me non-negotiable for me anymore because i'm dropping off my kids because the flexible hours made such a difference in my work-life balance yeah i can understand people saying uh i'm gonna move on if that's not offered anymore
0: i think you're right ramya you know we're hearing it every day from some of the big big firms you know south of the border We heard a big CEO announced yesterday that uh, back to the office, four days, non-negotiable. So I think there's a lot of talk about it. But if you really want to maintain and hang on to the very best people or try to attract the best people, you got to offer flexibility. I think we're going to go through a year here where we're probably going to be some push and pulling and figuring out what the the balance is going to be. But if you're not offering flexibility you'll never get the best people your competitors will have way better people than you will and that's scary
2: yes it is and remember all the conversations we've had with you and other robert Half reps about communication and wanting to uh, continue having that communication between management and supervision and employees and everybody let's put all our stuff on the table and talk about it so you know if if we can't express to you how important it is that flexibility as our manager as our supervisor as higher man then then we're saying okay peace out <laughs> Well, you know, and
0: that's a great part. We talked about communication a lot, and that's the answer to everything. It always has been. But when we look at those millennials. They, they, they're very, very motivated. And don't we don't we always want to have employees who are motivated and want to do more and achieve more? Mm-hmm. And they're looking for some career progression, looking for a mentor, and they really want their, their leader or their senior leader to sit down and talk with them. What's possible? If I stay with you, how far can my career go? Show me somebody who's stayed with you and has done great things. They're looking for someone to actually help them map out their next couple of years, and they will will work very, very hard for you. Or they're going to leave you and be working hard for somebody else. Exactly.
1: So do you feel, Michael, that is there a a piece to this of... Working in the office, everything that comes with that, the things you're sil- assigning your code of, con- to, you know, code of conduct for, uh, not to be, be sensitive to others, all these things that people have not really had to worry so much about, have enjoyed not necessarily being face-to-face with the competition in the same way that they feel, and, and that's good always to want to get better and strive to be better, but is there that negotiable now that, no, work doesn't have to be more than the stress of the job. I don't have to be having stress just to get along here or commute here back and forth. Is that really playing a huge part as well? Well, let's say something. Work has
0: changed. We'll never go back to the old days where where everybody got in the subway at 7.30, got to the office for 8 and punched the clock at 5. Those days are long gone. Mm-hmm. We're going to see flexibility in many different ways. You know, we haven't really even talked about four-day work weeks. That, right. I, no. I vote I vote for that one. I, I'm game for that. <laughs> if my boss wants to try that one, I'm, I'm right in there. But there's lots of change coming. And I don't think we need to define change as to, so here's what it's going to be. We want to be open to it. We want to embrace it and figure out not why it's not going to work, but let's actually give it a chance to see where it's going to thrive and where it really does work well for us. You can see behind me, we have an office full of people today. It's the beginning of the year. We're all in the office. Um, people we haven't seen some of us for over a year or two years, and you know we've had a great, great collaborative day today.
1: Yeah. No, How it's... new is that that you've had everybody coming in? Has it been pretty well this week that the X number of days per week we need everybody in, or or what?
0: Well at the beginning of the year we decided we'd uh, we'd all come to the office for a couple of days We're in Monday and we're in today and tomorrow and uh, lots of people I was in yesterday as well. I enjoy coming to the office i i like, I, I like being in the office I see some clients downtown but yeah, a lot of people in saying we're having a good collaborative session. So we're enjoying being together and collaborating. I think that's a big piece executives worry about. They worry about the culture and the collaboration because that they've built their company on that and they've invested a lot into collaborative spaces. If you turn the clock back decades, it used to be oh, build offices, doors, and then it became the pods and working together. And there's a lot of um, a lot of thought and investment into collaboration. Yeah. And now when I think they worry about what's going to happen if we're not in the office together. So it's, it's, it's going to level itself out. We're all learning, but please embrace it.
2: Yeah. And it is significant, right? Like work culture is significant having that um, it's, empowering its connective to be able to you know either be in the same space with people or at least feel like we can still have that vibe that vibe of a team spirit and and people do it in different ways companies do it in different ways but where does that factor in then do employees um, is there responses in this latest um, research about employees caring about work culture well You've also
0: missed a big word of it being fun. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah it, you know, it's, it, we've had a great time today. So when, when we, we didn't necessarily ask them, why do you want to be together or, or what, what you're looking for? When we asked what you're looking for, they all want more money. <laughs> Almost 70% came through and said, <laughs> I'm looking for more money. Costs are going up, price of tomatoes, (laughs) lettuce, fuel, you name it, rent's going up. So uh, that was the number one thing. They all want more money. We all want more money. Who doesn't? Uh, But money came through as as a very big factor. But, you know, money always comes through as a factor. But they're still in there, coming through at a quarter was sort of the career mapping, career progression. So one of four people had no problem saying, I'm looking for career progression. Mm. I want my manager to actually help me map out my career and show me that's possible. And that that's that can be achieved in many companies that's a conversation I and mean, you think is. about it doesn't cost anything that's right. 30 no. minutes maybe no. an hour go for coffee talk about what's possible share your vision share share team vision and you'll get buy-in from
1: from your, your team so that's really important yeah you'll generate a lot of idea a lot of also feeling any other interesting highlights on the research before we let you go michael you know what, this, was, um, this one really surprised me. I was shocked to hear one or two people are looking for a job.
0: Um, it's uh, it, it really, really resonated with the fact that the job market is still hot and people have tremendous confidence in the job market. So if you're looking for work, do it from home. Don't do it on your work time. Don't use your company computer. Be very, very respectful. Please give your current manager, current company, two weeks notice minimum, and never, ever, ever burn a bridge if you're leaving. The uh, business world's pretty small. You never know so it's gonna come back and bite you later. But please, always give two weeks'
1: notice. It's also a nice feeling. By the sounds of this, the confidence that a lot of time we worry that many of us—and again, I, I know we're talking different types of positions or different, you know, fields where people will say, "Well, uh, generally there are a lot of people there with confidence." But these folks all saying, "You know what? I'm going to look for something else where so many people for so long." No, no, I got to stay here. I got to stay, and we'd say in the old rut. Well,
0: there's possibilities, there's options. Everyone has lots of options. That's what makes the job market so hot right now. Right. Beautiful.
1: Michael, as usual, thanks a lot. Uh, Appreciate talking to you and finding out about this research. And wow, glad to hear how surprising and a lot to look forward to. Thanks for having me on and congratulations. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. That was Michael French. And of course, with Robert Half joining us on the program, always bringing us an incredible, Rumya amount of insight and things to think about, uh, especially people who are figuring, I want that change. And not this will spread to so many parts of the working industry as to the things people want. So really wonderful, really nice to hear that as they shared their uh, most uh, recent research on job seeking. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to meet... Another new person to us, this is one of our newest contributors, Kevin Shaw. He joins us to talk about his new bi-weekly segment on entrepreneurship right here on Kelly and Ramya. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. One of the fun things about the podcast, folks, is if you listen to the complete Kelly and Rumya podcast, you can check out the audio vanity card that's uh, put on the end. One of the members of the team, we throw it together and we'll by the tack one on to the end of the full version. Subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcatcher. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio, London, Ontario, Rumya Muthan at our headquarters at AMI main campus.
2: Now it's nice to be checking in with our regular people throughout the week and uh, inviting them onto TV with us on Kelly and Romeo, but it's also nice to introduce some of these new folks and today we have so many of them. Uh, We're pleased to welcome one of our newest contributors who's going to be joining us bi-weekly at this time on Wednesdays. We love our bi-weekly contributors and he's here to talk entrepreneurship with us. Let's welcome Kevin Shaw. Kev, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be here. We're That's looking forward
2: show. to this Thank topic you. so much because we talk employment a lot, and uh, there are so many different angles to this conversation. Of course, so entrepreneurship, and with the angles and intersectionality of disabilities and everything else that will come up, I think that you'll have a ton to say about it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's certainly not a path that I planned on taking in life. Um, <laughs> entrepreneurship is one of those bugs that bites you and once it bites you it, it sort of gets a hold on you
2: okay well i'm curious about that so some people might already know you kev because you're pretty famous uh you're very well known in the community <laughs> in the greater toronto area you do a lot but also on our network on now with dave brown in the morning show uh you uh, people can check you out on your once a month segment but tell us a little bit about yourself in this context of entrepreneurship
4: well, my my career is uh, quite unique. Uh, I actually started out in broadcasting and media. Uh, that's what I went to school for at Ryerson for Radio and Television Arts. And I got out of school. I wanted to be a recording engineer for the rest of my life. I thought this is the life for me, just recording bands and making up drum kits and doing all that fun stuff. And um, I realized that it was just so hard to find a job in the industry and i thought well no one's hiring me i may as well just hire myself to Mm. to go out and do things and i I i worked as a mobile dj for um about seven years or so uh through school and and then after school and was you know reasonably good at that and and um i started doing some freelance music production uh audio production on the side and um again i was just working with anybody I could to, you know, record, you know, like little piano and vocal things or, um, uh, you know, working in, in churches and living rooms and bedrooms. And so we're trying to, trying to record and make my, make it as a, as a music producer. Um, I got one really big project, which ended up being really great. And I was really proud of that. And then landed a gig working in radio. I worked in radio for about almost eight years and I was the technical production coordinator at a, a small uh, campus station here at, in Toronto. And um was just kind of trying to figure out the rest of my life. Went back to school, got a master's degree, found myself back working in radio and just wondering what to do. And um, I had the idea to start a, a Netflix for the blind, which was uh, Tell Me TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and that company, I basically just dove head first right into a tech entrepreneurship not knowing you know not knowing a thing on, on how to do this. I you know I wasn't a coder, I wasn't a programmer. Um, but I knew how to get things done from working as a music producer. And uh, just found myself just going going at uh, Tell Me TV full time and um, through the course of that we launched um, uh, the market matured around us. Basically, got the uh, <laughs> uh, got got the inclination that you know this this wasn't going to uh, you know make me a billion dollars. I wasn't going to be the next Elon Musk. Um, and uh, then I joined CNIB. I ran a national entrepreneurship program for them and met folks at Sight Loss from right across Canada doing a whole number of different things. Everything from you know running bakeries to um, developing software to uh, you know, to making art, to, to you know, to, to being accountants, all, all kinds of fun stuff. And um, uh, at, concurrent to that, I was, was in the middle of a, another startup uh, called Menuvox. And um, so, you know, entrepreneurship just kind of became a part of my DNA. And, um, you know, I did some freelance work after uh, leaving CNIB, and I'm uh, now working as in, in digital accessibility at Tangerine. So, you know, it's, it's, quite the, it's, it's quite the varied career, but entrepreneurship has certainly been a big part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's amazing. Now, I am thinking, since you made the reference to Elon Musk, you running Twitter, and, and <laughs> you know, I think we'd be in better hands, of course, um, and, and working over at Tangerine. Is so that uh, where you found yourself due to that connection to uh, on the court at a Toronto Raptors game? I, I thought I heard that rumor. <laughs>
4: uh, that, that's coming back. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was part of a tangerine event that that we did, and I got to shoot a basket and, and uh, just tons of fun.
1: Nice. I bet, uh, Kevin. I think what what I notice is the theme. There's a lot of pieces, and I think one of the key things we we think about is all the things you've had a chance to. Uh, dip your hand in but also the education that you've had in the other hand because that's so full of everything that we do. um, How much do we know? How are we learning stuff whether it's at a school or through life experience? You've had a bunch of that and that's allowed you to get yourself into many really business ventures that that you've Mm -hmm. had to play with but really being that entrepreneur is is there any of these things that right now you kind of now have with the work at Tangerine Fantastic as the main gig, but things, other ventures on the side now um, that that you're working on, still wanting to develop, is that something for you that will probably be a mainstay always in your life, picking up that little extra thing to putter around with, and and maybe you want to mention a couple of those.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, MenuBox is still it's still there. Um, you know, we're we're close to developing a, a beta and getting getting that out to to folks. Um, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, when it becomes your side gig, you've, you've got to find hours in the day to do it. Um, and I've, I've got ideas for all kinds of things, um, you know, digital products and, and, um, uh, you know, things in things, certainly in the, in the mobile space, um, things for, for smart speakers and so forth. So, you know, these are things that I'm, I'm always, I'm always generating ideas and it's just a matter of, going out and finding those customers and, you know, finding people who want to, who want to do this stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm the kind of person whose brain that never shuts off. So, right. you know, I'm always thinking about, Hey, what's the next, mm. you know, what's the next thing that I can go out and, and work on and, 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 you know, improve. And, and, you know, I've, I've been fortunate in that I've been able to do things for the community as opposed to, you know, hey, I'm gonna go and start up a subway franchise or something, and and uh, <laughs> you know, do that. Uh, it, it's been a, just a privilege for me to to help folks in the community and and do things like like Tell Me TV and Menuvox and work at CNIB and shepherd companies to market and and you know, just just really get in there and encourage people and say, hey, you can do this. This isn't right. some people aren't cut out for a nine to five job. They they don't want to you know go and pass out the resume and you know, smile and, you know, look pretty and, and, uh, you know, go out and impress an employer. It's, it's, Hey, I've got, I've got something in me that I, I, a problem in the world that I can't help but solve. And that's to me, the foundation of being an entrepreneur, a great entrepreneur. And I think in the
1: disability community, a lot of people have gotten tired of trying, even if they wanted to start with that job and they've just decided, you know what, like yourself, Kevin, I'm just going to go do this myself. So it makes me ask you what's next or how do i do it what what do you what do you think you ask yourself more often do you well what do i want to do next what should i do next? or is it more how am i going to solve that puzzle i don't like the way that works how can we make it better is it the how or what word used more
4: yeah i i think it it comes down to how do i solve this um yeah you love to use the analogy of lego and when you you know, when you go to school and you, you take the time to, to go out and learn things. And I sat down with a course from iTunes U and basically taught myself, uh, you know, the, the fundamentals of, of computer programming. Um, you know, I learned that there are these Lego blocks and it's like, well, in order to, to build a service, like, um, you know, Menuvox, for example, here are the Lego blocks that you need, you need, uh, you know, you need this, you need this, you need this this other thing. And these will all snap together. You don't have all the details; mm-hmm. that's for a developer to work out. Um, but you know the fundamentals as to how these things fit together. And I think that's that's really where entrepreneurship begins. That's the, to me, that's where great entrepreneurship begins. Is how do I solve this particular problem? And a lot of the times, those solutions aren't elegant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're certainly not polished, but we you know we've got to start somewhere and, yes. and oftentimes your for your your very first product what we call the mvp the minimum viable product is held together with shoelaces and bubble gum and duct tape and and it's uh you know it's ghetto but it works and, and people want too. that solution yeah i think I'm sorry say again i
1: say it's important too because It is the launching point. It is the original Mm -hmm. that you are able to look at and step back and say, how can we, how again, can we get better?
2: Totally. It's such a, a kind of like a messy but beautiful way to think about it, right? Because as you said earlier, some people, if you feel that you're not cut out for the nine to five, but you think that's a problem, it doesn't have to be. It sounds like there's so much um freedom in the inception of solving a problem that you can take on yourself and and all the other uh, bits and pieces that come along with that like collaboration but really just the initial excitement of saying hey i have an idea on how to solve this problem
4: yeah and you know just to get back to to what i was talking about not everybody has to be a tech entrepreneur there are a lot of people out there in our community who are really good at knitting or art or making baskets or Mm -hmm. doing woodwork or you know doing something with their hands that they love and you know if they if they can find a market for it that's certainly something that can you know if not sustain you at least supplement you for you know for for part of your income and and these are things that um you know that that are accessible. If you find something that's accessible and that works for you, go and do that and and learn to do that really well. And, um, you know, things will, uh, things will work out.
2: Do you find, because you said you had a lot of um, opportunity to help out in the community, and of course you have your lived experience in the blind low vision mm-hmm. community as well. So do you find that those things are very much linked in the problems you had versus, and, and I guess leading into the solutions you were finding in the name of entrepreneurship?
4: Yeah, I, I, I would say so. I, I wouldn't have found these solutions if I wasn't in the community. If I didn't have that lived experience, you know, I, I tell the story about how I came up with the idea for Tell Me TV. Um, and I, I had a shelf full of DVDs. They all had descriptive audio tracks on them. Um, And I asked myself, why do I have these, this shelf full of DVDs? They were all still in shrink wrap. You know, why did I go and spend all this money at the, you know, at the bargain bin to go and buy all these movies and just like, I've never watched them. And I realized that the, that the problem was the interface. And I thought, well, you know, we can make a better interface online. And that's when the idea hit me. That's that aha moment. And, you know, I don't think I would have thought of that if, if I didn't have sight loss and, Mm Um, you know, the same thing with menu sitting in a restaurant, you know, waving my phone over a menu going, well, this, this kind of sucks. I'm going to try and, you know, find, find this menu online. And that took forever. I'm like, uh, this is, this is ridiculous. Why can't I just see a menu on my phone? Um, and, and that's where those ideas came from. And, um, I, I think for a lot of people in our community, we know the best way to solve our problems. Um, and all it takes is just some skill and some know how and and the social skills and the networking to 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 bring people on board to you know to help you bring that dream to reality.
2: How about Kevin The trial and error aspect of it, Kev, because I Mm. think that um, so many of us are so fearful of where (laughs) entrepreneurship can lead, which is down a hole, right? Like you try something out, you invest your your money, your heart, your time. I think, yeah, your sleep and everything, every waking hour into it, and you're excited, right? Because this is a passion project, really, and then. It doesn't work out it doesn't have the backing that you need for it to move forward where do you go from that point or how do you deal with that
4: so for for me there's that one moment that when you realize that you know um i left my job in radio and i i had that freak out moment where it was like the success of this is on me Right. Um, you know, no, no one's coming to save me if this doesn't work <laughs> out and there's no job that I can go back to if this doesn't work out, which, you know, is not, it's not hundred true, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it because that opened doors for me and, and yeah, you know what, as an entrepreneur, you're going to fail and you should expect failure and you should expect that not every day is going to be um you know we we all see we all see the video of the iphone launch right um which uh you know which is what 16 years old this year um and we all expect that we're going to have like a snazzy product launch just like that and it's not true um you know version one is going to be awful and version two is going to be less awful and version three is going to be okay and then version four is gonna be good and version five is gonna be great and that's when everyone's gonna you know jump on board and and uh you know you don't realize that that two years have gone into making the next version the next version the next version um you know and maybe it's two years maybe it's three but there are those little failures along the way that you need to you know pick yourself up dust yourself off uh you know wipe your eyes blow your nose and get back in the game and Um, even if it, even it completely fails, um, and you're faced with a situation where, you know, the big players are, are, you know, honing in on your, your territory, you've built up expertise in your particular area that you can now take to other places. And so it's not a, you know, it's not a, a venture that, you know, has a a zero sum game. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm really looking forward to having you on biweekly to uh, further dive into these conversations. I feel like we'll have a lot of great moments on the show um, and talk about your experiences, which play a huge part in uh, the conversations ahead. So thank you so much, Kev.
4: Thank you. Looking forward to it.
2: Us too. Kevin Shaw is our newest contributor, joining us every other week on Wednesdays to talk uh, entrepreneurship. And, of course, on Wednesdays at this time, in general, we'll be talking employment with um, other contributors and guests as well.
1: Wow, what, what a guy to get to know, folks, and, and hopefully you can make it, listen in. Uh, we left a lot on the table just getting to know Kevin there. Mm. Coming up in just a couple of moments on the program, we're going to take a look at what the gang over at Now at Dave Brown has on tap for their 9 a.m. show tomorrow. We'll talk about some recommendations from the podcast and preview our show in brief later on. Uh, we'll do that in the next segment right here on Kelly and Ramya. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya
0: after this short break.
1: Hmm. I'm thinking about it, folks. Like, what the heck are we going to talk about that we can refer back to in this segment to other segments in this show because again there's so much worth going back to listen to now the egotistical host is going to say of course that's it's normal that's our show so much good stuff i'm gonna let you start rum as uh i i have to think about it a little more uh for folks who want to check out the podcast or one of the repeats of the program what would you recommend as a segment not to miss
2: Talking uh, headlines is what we're calling it with Grant Hardy, you know, where we talk health, lifestyle, accessibility, everything in between, and discussing crying. Now, we spent a lot of time on emotional crying and just putting our own uh, cryability on the table, but
1: even tried to get Greg David to cry.
2: Yes, yes, we did. And he tried <laughs> to get us to cry. None of it worked. But anyway, the the other thing is, though, aside from emotional crying, there are other kinds of crying that he talked about and really just how crying makes you stronger. Science-backed, physical strength, not really talking about just mental toughness. Uh, so that was a, a fascinating conversation, which you can revisit on the podcast.
1: You know, I mentioned um, Cut for Time. We do that on Fridays where we look back at some of the segments. And right now, I really would like to revisit a couple of things said by our community reporter from St. John uh, today on the show. Uh, Marisa was talking to us about transit companies when there was the discussion at city councils and transit companies to get rid of the free pass system uh, for the low vision and blind community. So uh, I really think you should go back, check that out, ladies and gentlemen, because some of us, we remember how that went and the different things that were said. Oh, well, if we have to do cutbacks on routes, those that pass will be one of the, the ones to go. And I remembered the Debates and discussions uh, or questions to drivers. How come that guy just flashes a pass and sits down? So there was a lot of that misunderstanding kind of stuff that went on when it came to things such as uh, the passes. So uh, maybe we'll revisit some of that on Cut for Time, but certainly you should check it out via the Kelly and Romia podcast. Subscribe using your favourite podcatcher and check it out. If you wouldn't mind, give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're new to the show, really appreciate you being with us and and joining us and uh, we really want to give a thanks to Ramya, I think, before we move along, and that gets kind of lost in the shuffle, to everybody who had such a hand in making everything happen over the last couple of years as this was being discussed, as this was coming to fruition. Really thank all of you because there's been a lot of hard work, especially behind the scenes. Uh, while we were thumping along doing Kelly and, and company, uh, everything was being put in place, and all these folks who, uh, who gathered together for us. So really big thank you, everybody. Uh, Paul Daniel. Want to bring him in to tell us a little bit about what's going on tomorrow? Now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Paul's one of the producers, sir. Good day to you. And what do you guys have hey, on the Kelly. Show tomorrow?
4: On uh, tomorrow, sure. Uh, you know, last year, Kelly, we had we all discovered food prices shooting up in a way that we hadn't experienced in decades. Well, tomorrow we'll speak to Dr. Sylvain Charlevoix, lead author of a report on what to expect for food prices in Canada this year. Sean Priest from, right. Tap, Tap from Double Tap will discuss Apple's rollout of a new AI narrated audiobook. And we'll examine what this means for audiobooks in general going forward. And our community reporter and movie reviewer. Uh, Kim Thistle from St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador will share recollections of her trip to Costa Rica that she took in late November and she you tell us all about Bruno the Bartender. That's a story <laughs> itself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Paul. Thanks a lot. AI, too. Always a story. Paul Daniel, you, so, you too, sir. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, one of the producers over there at Now at Dave Brown, find them as a podcast or check them out on AMI-tv at 9am in the morning and repeat it at 5pm. Uh, well, Ramya, a really great show, as we were talking about. And as I was saying before, big thank you to so many people for the supports out there. I just wanted to give you a second in case there was something you wanted to throw in.
2: Oh, my gosh, yeah. This has just been the absolute biggest project in the last year or so. And you write so many people behind the scenes. Because as we keep continuing what we're doing on air every day, which our team has been working hard at that as well, um, so much going behind the scenes to make it all happen uh, for launch.
1: Okay, well, we'll get into a bit of that tomorrow on the roundtable, as a matter of fact, when John Melville joins us. Of course, he's a VP of content and uh, development and programming at AMI. What else, Ramya, we've got?
2: We have accessible gaming, and guess who's coming on that one? Me, because I have um, some... Uh, wh- what? Yeah, I know. You? Some demos of products that I've occurred over the years um, to make accessible tabletop gaming fun for me and for inclusive gaming with my sighted friends.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. It'll be interesting to talk about the things that you've accrued in those games. And uh, I'll settle back and listen. And okay, yes, as we said earlier in the week, learnings, man, always a good thing. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow. Fedora's off to you. Have a wonderful night. So as much as the new format of Kelly and Rumya, and when I say that, the fact that we're on the TV side, there's a lot more moving parts, simulcast on the audio side at AMI, but of course traditionally doing our podcast, and you hope everything cool there, and uh, that comes through for you folks who choose to consume the show that way. As a theater person, though, I can't help it. I'll share this with you, and I shouldn't. Let me just touch wood because I'm tempting fate. Okay. As a theater person, we used to try to figure out when was going to be our bad show during a run. The idea is you're all hyped. So if you have a bad dress rehearsal or tech dress uh, where you're just working out the components, then you do as close to a full run day, performance day kind of thing without an audience or maybe a very few people. If you had a terrible one of those, your opening night was going to be fantastic because everybody was going to be guarded. Well, I think kind of that's where we were. You know, we have we had good dress rehearsals. Don't get me wrong. Um, but maybe not as much as we would have liked. But then again, you say to us, you got 15 days of rehearsals. We would have, oh, I feel better with 20, you know, no matter what. So now comes, okay, so we had a good first day. I think the second day, really, when you look at it in certain ways, was even better. But, you know, you're amped up for everything. Looking forward to doing the third, fourth, and so on. And we look back at saying we did over six and almost a half years of Kelly and Company, and we're just really starting that now. As much as we say, yeah, it's the same show, same contributors, we're continuing on. So in our minds, we are continuing on, but you're very aware of simulcasting and the differences that are there, the people added to your team and, and, and so on. So with that being said, you start seeing it as, all right, we're, we're starting a run of a play. And this is like one of those Broadway plays, as far as we're concerned, that's going to be up there for another two, three, four years before they say, "Okay." yeah, you know, I'm exaggerating. Like, really? I mean, I'm talking another 15 years or something like that, at least, at least till I retire. Um, So that's what you hope. And now you look at you can't sit here and. Oh, I hope today isn't our bad show. You're going to have bad shows. You're going to have stuff where, uh uh-oh, things go wrong, where you're off, as I've talked to you about it. It's like running in mud sometimes. You just can't catch up to yourself, and something is, is sluggish and slowing you down for sure, and you're moving in slow motion. That's what it feels like. So with that being said, the one staple that we have that we can always rely on is damn well having fun. And even on your roughest days on the show... Our contributors, community reporters, my co-host, we just have fun. Hi, I'm Red Sale,
0: inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.